0: hear now God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. There was a certain man of Ramathiam Zophim in the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship. And to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went up on. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah her husband said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, as she had said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, and she said, O oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I have made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would teach us this morning from your word, and you would show us uh, your marvelous grace. Show us that you are a God who, who hears, a God who sees, and a God who acts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Oh Lord, Hannah prayed, please take away my shame. Hannah's life had been marked by shame upon shame. It had begun so promisingly, she, uh, el- the wealthy and well-to-do Cana, had found favor in her and chosen to take her as his wife, and she desired to be the one who would provide him with children. She looked forward to the hope of being able to hold in her arms the fruit of her own womb, and yet month after month, she saw the telltale sign that this was not the month. Month after month, she looked up to her husband with sad eyes and shook her head slowly as if to say, no, not again, not this, year, not this month either. She realized that the Lord had closed her womb and yet she did not know why and then after some time she showed up Elkanah unable to have children with his first wife Hannah took Peninnah the second woman as to be his wife one who could perhaps bear children for him and as if the uh, shame of having another woman in her house Embracing her husband was, if that wasn't enough, the look, the gleam in Peninna's eyes, the, the gleam of joy was like a dagger in Hannah's heart the first day that Peninna said to Alcana, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And they celebrated the first child. And no doubt Hannah celebrated begrudgingly, and yet her heart ached and her heart was broken. And it would break again and again and again, for Peninnah had child after child, sons and daughters. So this shame that she had experienced once a month now became a daily source of shame, this living and breathing picture of shame. And it didn't stop in the home. Even worship was a place of shame. They lived in Rama and they would go up to Shiloh, where the tabernacle was at this time. tabernacle did not make it to Jerusalem until much later. Jerusalem wasn't even a city. They went up to Ramah to worship, and they would offer their sacrifices. And after they sacrificed, they would feast. And Elkanah, the head of his home, would hand out portions of food to all of his family, each member, to Peninnah and All of her sons and all of her daughters and to Hannah. And even in that moment, which should have been celebrating the goodness of our God, Peninnah used the opportunity to twist the knife in Hannah's heart. She provoked her, to irritate her, provoked her grievously. Commentator and uh, pastor Dale Ralph Davis gives a fictional but convincing Uh, conversation that perhaps happened as they were intending to celebrate Peninnas said now do do all you children have your food dear me there are so many of you it's hard to keep track of them all but mommy miss miss Hannah doesn't have any children I'm sorry what did you say my dear I said miss Hannah doesn't have any children Miss Hannah? Oh, oh yes, that's right. She doesn't have any children. Well, doesn't she want children, mommy? Oh, yes, she wants children very, very much. Would you say so, Hannah? Don't you wish you had children too? Well, doesn't daddy want Miss Hannah to have kids? Oh, certainly daddy does. But Miss Hannah keeps disappointing him. She just can't have kids. Well, why not? Why? Because god won't let her does god not like miss hannah well i don't i don't know what what do you think oh by the way hannah did i tell you that i'm pregnant again you think you'll ever be pregnant hannah and so it went on year after year reproach upon reproach and her husband elcano he was he was a good man and he he sought to comfort her. When he would hand out the portions, he would hand them out to each family member. And to Hannah, he would give a double portion of the choicest part of the sacrifice. But it was all for naught. She was so distraught, she could not eat. Her tears were her food. And Elkanah would come to her and seek to comfort her as a husband would seek to do in his own way. And he said, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Hannah would think, oh, Elkanah, if you only knew. If you only knew why my heart is sad. Oh, how I long to be the one to provide you with children. I am sad because I feel worthless. I feel like nothing. What do I have to offer to you? You ask me, are you? if you're worth more to me than ten sons, what do you think about me? Am I worth more to you than ten sons? You love me, but I feel like a lame, stray dog that you have brought into your presence. And you lavish your compassion there. Well, Hannah does do the one thing that we must do in the darkness of our grief and our sorrow. She turns to the Lord in prayer. She got no compassion from her rival wife, but just this Prideful, provoking, and she did get this compassionate kindness from her husband, but it was compassion without understanding. But the Lord would know, the Lord would understand her heart. But would he listen? Would he care? Or would his ears be as closed as her womb was? And so he asked, she prayed, Lord, give me a son, Give me a son. And she offers a vow. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Take away my reproach. Father, give me a son, and I will give him back to you. I I will devote him to you. He will be yours forever and ever and then to complicate things and make things even worse in the moment of her anguish of her soul pouring out her heart to the Lord she is misunderstood yet again by the priest Eli Eli saw her lips moving he didn't hear any sound she was praying in her heart and he thought she was drunk and she says woman put away your drink How long will you continue to drink? Remember, this is taking place at the tail end of the, the time of the judges, the time of wickedness throughout the land of Israel. And how bad could things have been? In the place where people came to worship, the high priest of God misunderstood heartfelt prayer for drunkenness. And Hannah answered, No, my Lord. No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard me as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And You can hear her thinking, what else? How, why is everything like this? She just cries out, please. Please. And in the darkness of her grief, the the glimmer of the dawning of God's grace begins to shine forward, because God heard, and God answered, and he used Eli, and Eli said, go in peace. And the God of Israel, grant your petition that you have made to him. And and beloved, prayer changes us. As we heard just a couple weeks ago, prayer is an offering up to God of things agreeable to his will and his peace which surpasses understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Hannah responded with hope that God heard and he would take action. And she arose, went on her way, her face was no longer sad and she took action. Food. But, beloved, prayer doesn't just change us. Prayer changes things because God hears and God responds. And God re- remembered Hannah. They left Shiloh. They went home. Elkanah knew his wife. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Beloved ladies, God hears your prayers. Make no mistake about it. Do not doubt. God hears your prayers. He sees your tears. He hears your cries, and he's ready to respond. He has compassion for you, and he loves you. But now, we, now came the moment of truth, because she had asked for this child. And she had vowed a vow that if you give me this child, I will give him back to you. And beloved, oh, how quickly we we make promises to our God when we are in anguish. What big promises we make. What bold promises is an attempt to bargain with the Lord. And how hard it is to actually fulfill those promises when the Lord upholds his end of the bargain. She had promised to give this child back. Well, now she held this child in her arms. And the question is, would she be faithful? So the time came where they could, it was time to go back to Shiloh to worship, and so Hannah had a a chance to make good on her promise. And yet she deferred. She told her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Now it was not uncommon in those days for women to nurse their children to the age of three or four years old. And so she was essentially telling her husband, I will keep him for three years and nurse him and raise him. And then I will bring him to worship. And and this was also a, a crisis of faith for Elkanah, because the law of Moses said that when a woman made a vow, that it was her husband's right and responsibility to validate the vow. A woman could take a vow, but if the husband disagreed with the vow, he could annul that vow. But if he remained silent, or if he approved of it, then the woman was bound by that vow. And so here was an opportunity for Elkanah to say, you know what, that that vow you made, let's keep this son. Yeah, that's, that, was, that was a hasty vow, Hannah. But in faith, Elkanah supports it. He says, do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. And so she kept him, and she nursed him for three years. But isn't it true that she was merely compounding the weight of her sacrifice, making it even more difficult, because, oh, the bond between a mother and her child over those first three years of life, day after day, nursing him at her breast, seeing his trusting eyes look up at her loving eyes, seeing him swaddled in his bed, watching as he struggles to roll over on his own or sit up on his own joyfully but fearfully, child protecting the tent as he gets a bit more mobile, hearing him coo and vocalize and start to say his first words, seeing his first smile in recognition of her face seeing his uh, childlike amazement as he took his first wobbly steps to the point where he then became more mobile and was running around with the other toddlers, teaching him his ABCDs or his Aleph-Bet-Gimel-Dalets, as it were, and soaking in each and every moment, knowing that each day was another day closer to which she would take him and leave him in Shiloh. Was she being selfish in keeping him around? Or was this a mother's sacrifice, knowing that she was preparing him for the Lord's service, preparing to give him away? And, beloved, I think in Hannah, we see a proper, godly view of parenting. Because, beloved, every child is a gift from the Lord every child, is from him and for him. And our job as parents is to serve as stewards of the Lord's children. We we shepherd these children to prepare them for holy work. We, we prepare them not to keep for ourselves or to satisfy our own desires, but to prepare them to serve the Lord with gladness all of their days as covenant children. This This ought to be the aim of our parenting labors and the focus of our parenting prayers is that our children would be fit for service as long as they live. And so the day came, the day of reckoning, and they headed up to Shiloh. And with them, she brought a great sacrifice. Our English translations say that uh, She brought with her a three-year-old bull. It's probably more likely that she brought three bulls. You may have a footnote in your Bible that says something along those lines. The the law prescribed a single bull, but it's likely she brought three. We can also get a hint of that by the next thing that it says that she brought an ephah of flour. The law prescribed that uh, you would give a... three-tenths of an ephah for a single bull, so the fact that she gave a full ephah was more than three times what was prescribed, and also this skin of wine that it says, that was most likely a large container of wine ho- capable of holding up to 20 liters of wine. That's like a little bit more than two cases of wine that you might buy from the store if you're buying a case of wine. Um, she's the, the point being, she's bringing a Her family is capable of a generous sacrifice and she's generously sacrificing to the Lord out of the gratitude in her heart. But of course the greatest sacrifice that she was offering was her beloved son, her one and only son. And you can see her proudly and yet sadly coming before Eli and saying, Eli, I'm the woman that you remember that woman that was praying? I am the woman that prayed for the son and here he is. (laughs) And I am giving him now to the Lord. He says, I asked for this child, for this child I prayed, and the Lord granted me the petition, and so I am lending him back. The Lord lent him to me, and now I am lending him to the Lord. He is lent as long as he lives. He gave, she gave back to the Lord what he had graciously given to her. And there's a little bit of foreshadowing to what's coming in the story here, that's lost on us as English speakers, but would not have been lost on these original hearers, because uh, the, the the same Hebrew word is used for her, when she says "I asked," and then she talks about lint. It's the same Hebrew word with different senses, and that Hebrew verb is saw. She says, I sawed for this child, and the Lord sawed him to me, and so I saw him back to the Lord all the days of his life. And in just a few short years, Israel will ask for a king, and the Lord will provide them a man named Saul. And what Israel failed to realize is that the Lord had already provided them with a Saul, a man who was a Saul after God's own heart, and his name was Samuel. And so, beloved, there's a lot we could say about this passage, but particularly when it comes to what we learn about the Lord with respect to prayer, some very helpful things for us to understand Two things I would say. First is that uh, what we need to hear is that God often withholds from us the things that we need or the things that we want until we ask for them. Hannah, her womb had been closed, but she asked from the Lord, and the Lord provided a child. James says, You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with improper motives that you can use what you get on your own foolish purposes. Beloved God, it's not that God doesn't know what we need. When we, go, when we come to prayer, we're not telling God something he doesn't already know. Jesus told us that. He said, your father knows what you need, and yet he calls us to ask for it. Ask for what we need. God knows that our hearts are prone to idolatry and godlessness and godless independence but God we are dependent on everything that we need from the father of lights who from whom every good and perfect gift comes and so God often withholds what we want until we draw near to him and we ask him sometimes in anguish of soul sometimes with earnestness of of heart, sometimes in anger or frustration or bitterness, but coming to the Lord and asking him to take action, sometimes he waits. And, and in do, so doing, he draws us close, but also he gives himself the glory. We, it dispels our godless myths that things just so happen. Science can tell us what happened, but it can't tell us why it happened. Hannah's womb was closed. Fact. Why? Because the Lord closed it. Hannah conceived. Fact. Why? Because the Lord remembered her and gave her a a child. And beloved, what you need to understand is that each and every life, each and every child that is conceived in the womb is As a result of God's gracious and loving kindness, a a gracious choice of our God to give life. He is the giver of each and every life. Your life has value because God has chosen to give you life, to bring you into being, into existence. And so is every life. And our response ought to be like Hannah's, to overflow with worship and wonder and delight at the God who hears and the God who cares and the God who responds and the God who acts. But the second thing we need to understand is, I think part of the reason God draws us in to ask, to ask is because God wants to blow our minds and unravel his marvelous grace in ways that are far greater than we could ever imagine. Hannah asked just give me a son, and God gave her Samuel, Samuel he he he, he wanted to to sh- show that he is the one who can give life in a barren womb. he wanted to be the one who could turn sadness and grief and anguish of soul into joy and she he wanted to give Samuel, the greatest judge the the kingmaker of Israel, the one who will anoint Saul, and eventually King David, Israel's greatest king, and the father of the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, even the, the very salvation that we ask for, that we truly ask for. And these things, beloved, came To a woman in brokenness of spirit, in anguish of soul, crying out to the Lord, please, Lord, please. Because, beloved, in this, she said, this is the child that I asked for. This is the child for whom I prayed. And, beloved, the, the true child for whom we pray for, that all the Old Testament saints prayed for, was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one that was promised from the very beginning, the one who would crush the head of the serpent. And honestly, we, we don't really ask for him. We don't really ask for Jesus. And yet that's the answer that God gives to our prayers. And over and over again, the story of God's faithfulness is that he gives us far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. We we didn't ask for Jesus. When Jesus came, it says, uh, John said that uh, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They didn't want him. He had no former majesty that they could look on him. We cry out, Lord, please give me wisdom. Lord, please protect me. Please give me victory over my enemies. Oh Lord, please save me from this affliction. That's what we ask for. And Jesus says, Here's your answer. And he holds forth his son. And he says, This is what you're praying for. This is the answer. Because in Jesus Christ are all the treasures of our God. In him is every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We want peace, he himself is our peace. We want wisdom. Jesus Christ has become to us wisdom from God. We want salvation. There's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved than Jesus Christ. All of our prayers, beloved, are yes and amen in Jesus Christ, and he has given us him. The question is, do we receive the answer? Do we receive the gift that God has given to us? And of course, beloved, this came to us with a far greater sacrifice than Hannah's sacrifice. I mean, the, the love of a mother for her child is a strong and unbreakable bond. And yet, the love of God is infinite and eternal. God is love. Samuel lay in the bosom of Hannah for three years. But the writers of the New Testament say that the son lay in the bosom of the father from all eternity. And yet out of God's sheer love for us, he gave himself for us. Hannah gave her son out of obedience to her and faithfulness to her vow in response to what God has given her, she gave her one and only son back to him in worship. And yet, out of love for us, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to us. His was the greater sacrifice and the greater love. And beloved, of course, that came at an even greater cost as the father turned his face away from his son and he closed his ears to his his cries he gave his son so that when his son would cry out in anguish of soul in the garden father if there's any other way than for me to go to the cross the father was silent or when his son was hanging on the cross and he said father why have you forsaken me father would turn his back on him but beloved he did that jesus endured that so that he could open the path for us to the throne of grace so that in him we could cry out abba father please rescue me give me salvation save me provide for me protect me and beloved Jesus is not ours, was not ours just for those brief years of life on earth, but he has been given to us forever and ever. It is an eternal love and an eternal right that we have been given in Jesus Christ. Hannah lent Samuel to the Lord as long as he lives, but our Savior has the power of an indestructible life. He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am With you forever and ever, and you will be with me forever and ever. And so, beloved, because of Jesus, because of God's great love for us, God's ears are open ever to our cries, to your cries. If you are in Christ Jesus, God hears the anguish of your soul, He hears the cries of your heart, and He delights to respond. And to show you compassion and to show you something far greater than you could ever ask or imagine. Beloved, he might permit the agony and the affliction of soul like he did with Hannah, but it's only the path to something greater, something far greater than you can imagine. Pour out your soul to the Lord. Beloved, our God draws us near to ask of him. Let him unravel his wonderful plans of overwhelming grace. There was a woman in the fourth century after Jesus was born, a woman by the name of Monica, um, who had a son who she loved very dearly, and yet uh, she was very distraught over her son. He was brilliant, and yet he despised the gospel of grace and he his life was marked by sexual immorality and debauchery and she prayed for him endlessly, ceaselessly. She pleaded with him over and over again. and but his heart was hard, he would not listen. And he was set to go to Rome. and she pleaded with him not to go to Rome because she knew that in Rome, It was a place for a young man like him where he would fall deeper and deeper into sin. And so the night before he was set to go, she stayed up all night praying, hoping that the Lord would prevent her son from going. And yet when she arose the next morning, her son was gone. Well, little did she know that when shortly after her son arrived at Rome, he would come under the preaching of a renowned preacher by the name of Ambrose of Milan, And under the preaching of St. Ambrose, this young man would come to faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. He would give his life to Christ. And due to his wicked past and seeing the grace of God, this young man in his brilliance would come to understand God's grace in salvation in a way that was profound and deep. And that young man... Monica's son was the man that we know of as St. Augustine, the greatest early theologian of the early church, the man through whom the Lord has taught us marvelous things about his grace and salvation that has affected the, what we believe and was foundational for the, the men who led us in the Protestant Reformation. Our faith is, conditioned, is not conditioned, it's, it's we've been taught so richly through that experience. And beloved, that's, that's, that's our God. Our God who loves to overwhelm us with his grace to show us something far greater than we could possibly imagine. His, his, his plans are far more wonderful and more expansive than our puny minds can grasp. And he invites you and me to his throne of grace to trust him to offer up our request to him. He wants to hear your cries. He knows you, and he's ready to respond. So cry out to him. Cry out to him in Christ Jesus, and let him do his wonders. And let's give him praise. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you are a God of wonders and a God of might. Thank you that you are a God who is not silent, but a God who is active and caring, and who reveals to us your, your ways and your love. Help us to rest in that love and to walk in it and to give you praise. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.